Welcome to Fine Tuning with Drew Taylor, your one-stop shop when it comes to animation news and commentary. I'm Drew's co-host, entertainment writer Jim Hill, and he and I are recording this show on Monday, August 26, 2019, the day after this year's D23 Expo wrapped. And Drew, are, are you okay? <laughs> I'm tired. I was fighting off a cold the whole weekend, which was interesting, um, but mm-hmm. I'm here I am ready to talk about D23, and um, I think this is going to be very therapeutic for for both of us, I hope. So, yeah. Okay. Well, now, folks, we're going to save that for the second half of the show, but we have a quick news rundown about what's happened in animation over the past week. And I guess the the logical place to start, and again, this is, we've been talking about this, Drew, since the beginning of this year, but we have yet another animated sequel, Angry Birds 2. That uh, well, in, in this case, failed to to take flight at the box office. Um, did you have you looked at the numbers for this thing? Or uh, yes, and they are not great. And what's interesting too is that the critics really liked it a lot more than the first. One. Absolutely. I mean, if you go over to uh, Rotten Tomatoes, I want to say this thing had well, the first film when it came out, it had a forty six percent audience rating and a, and a forty four for freshness rating so you know that's that's not great uh whereas the sequel got uh 74 freshness rating and an 85 percent uh audience rating so you know again you figure with scores like that you'd actually do better than the first film and it's it's actually the opposite before we get started here today sort of was doing the comparison of the box office that uh right now angry birds 2 is I want to say twenty seven million total for its domestic run, whereas uh, you know the original Angry Birds thirteen days into its domestic run was seventy four. So the film, the sequel, has done thirty five percent of the business so far of, of the original film, and that to me is just nuts. Now. I have to ask, given that the first film came out, I want to say, in May of, of 2016, and here we are with an August release, could could that explain it? Or I don't know. I mean, I know that, I mean, I think that maybe the box office juggernaut of The Lion King was maybe a little bit... Um, I mean, I don't think anybody thought it was going to go this long or do, it, mm-hmm. do what it does, which is, <laughs> depending on who you talk to, the the most profitable animated movie in Disney history or the most profitable live action movie in Disney mm-hmm. history. They can't quite figure out which which it is. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's interesting. And it's interesting to see that they they tried so many different things with Angry Birds too. Like they did that sneak peek for like Target guests one mm-hmm. Saturday and then they bumped up the release date to a really, what was it, on a Tuesday it ended up coming out or something? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so but- yeah, I don't know. I, and face it, if you look back th- this year we, between How to Train Your Dragon, Hidden World, Secret Life of Pets 2, Lego Movie 2, the second part, we have this sort of, you know, again, that th- this pattern keeps happening. We have high expectations, basically solid reviews, and then middling, at best, uh, performances at box office. And only right. uh, Toy Story 4 seems to have bucked that trend. Yeah. Though... I bet you're hearing the same thing uh, I've been hearing in regard to Toy Story 4 that, you know, the, in fact, the very thing you were just arguing about, you know, Lion King. Lion King came along 
and sucked a lot of life out of the box office. And there's there's a number of people who believe any other summer, Toy Story 4 would have done, you know, I mean, look, it made over a billion dollars worldwide. Nobody's complaining. But I guess at Disney, they did expect it to to be like a billion two or you know, yeah. billion three. And so uh, this is kind of a surprise. Yeah. Uh, Can I use so. this public platform to appeal to the listeners to try to find me that Duke Kaboom, Jim? I mean, I think it's in, the, in stores now. If anyone's at a Target and sees a Duke Kaboom signature collection... Please get it for me. Let me know. I will pay you the price of the toy plus shipping, but I cannot find this thing anywhere. And at, while I was at D23, I got a notice that it was back in stock. I went on the Target. Really? I, I went on the Target app. It was already gone. So oh. if anyone finds it, that's my that's my plea to the listeners of fine tuning. Again, you want to help poor Drew here, and I actually thought I found it yeah. at our local Target, but it turns out you're looking specifically for the movie replica, right? Yes, it's uh, it's called the Signature Collection. I think it's $69.99. It's, okay. it's the same size. It's a huge box. I saw a video of somebody uh, online who found it, but um, yeah, if you can find it, I would love you forever. So that's my plea okay. out there. Okay. Yes, it, yeah. it, it's all those Canadians, Drew. Yes, I yes. know. So when you have your your superhero stuntman, you gotta have it. So, yeah. Um, speaking of superheroes, I, again, I know you were busy last week with the, uh, you know, getting ready for the expo and all that. But did you see this announcement about Agent King? Yes, um, it sounds really cool. It's weird that it's sort of like an official like Elvis property. Um. Well, yeah, yeah. And the weird thing is, supposedly, what set this whole thing in motion, uh, Drew? Have you ever seen the the photo of Elvis in the Oval Office with Richard Nixon? Of course, uh, of course. Okay, okay. Uh, for for those of you who don't know this story, in fact, I think there's actually a movie of this. Uh, somebody, would, but basically, I guess it's 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 the week before Christmas, 1970. And Elvis, I uh, just had you know a spectacular comeback. He's he's touring the country and he's in Washington D.C. and he sends a note to the White House, you know, to the effect of you know I would love to meet with Mr. Nixon. I'm a huge fan of his. And and Nixon for it's again it's December 21st. It's not a whole lot on the schedule. Like sure, invite Elvis over to the White House, and they meet. And, you know, like I said, there's this wonderful photograph of Elvis and Nixon together. In fact, at one point, this was the most requested image coming out of the official National Archives that I guess you could pay, a, you know, a 4 or $5 fee and they'd send you a copy of this photo of, of Elvis and Nixon together. But I guess over the course of the meeting, uh, Elvis, you know, Elvis, as it turns out, collect police badges. And he wanted Nixon on his behalf to reach out to the, what is it, the Bureau of Narcotics and Dangerous Drugs and get one of those badges. And, and not only that, I guess he asked Nixon to make him a federal agent at large. And Nixon's like, yeah, we're not doing that. Um, but I guess that's that's the premise of, of Agent King is the notion of what if Nixon actually had his, well, of course, Elvis, let's do that. Let's make you a secret agent. And that's it going forward. You know, the notion is that now Elvis is this super secret agent and he's using his, uh, you know, his career as the world's most famous rock star as a cover to travel around the globe and, and to to fight for America. 
And uh, and as you said, you know, this is something that the Elvis Presley estate is behind. In fact, uh, Priscilla Presley, as part of the announcement for this thing, uh, literally, this is a quote from the press release. Uh, from the time Elvis was a young boy, he always dreamed of being a superhero, fighting crime and saving the world. Agent King lets him do just that. My creator, Johnny Eddy, and I are so excited to be working with Netflix and Sony Animation on this amazing project and getting the chance to show the world an Elvis they've never seen before. And the other thing, frankly, for from my side of the fence, as a longtime fan of Archer, the fact that the gentleman who's uh, writing the show and is going to be the showrunner, uh, Mike Arnold, has been involved with Archer uh, for years now. And it's just sort of like, wow, if that's the look, if that's the style, I cannot wait for the show. Yeah, I think um, it's going to be really cool. And it's coming to Netflix. We should, did we say that? Yeah. 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 But but again, as, as the door opens, the door closes. And now, you, where do you stand on the whole... My Little Pony, Friendship of Magic, you know, show. I, I I've never seen it. Um, so you'll have. I am not a brony, Jim. I, this might uh, this might surprise you. Um, but uh, please, please inform me because this is a this is a genuine blind spot on my kind of like animation. Well, I, you know, I have to admit, I, I'm more familiar with like the first year and a half of the show. That was when Lauren Faust was involved. And she she really got them to roll the dice. Uh, I mean, face it, you know, My Little Pony, the, you know, Hasbro line of toys, and there were some earlier, you know, you know, not exactly great animated series. And she came at it and made the characters a little bit more complex, the adventures a little bit more involving. And as you mentioned, you know, this, this fandom rose up out of the ground and uh you know just you know people embrace the show and it's now run uh for nine seasons and uh you know uh, 222 episodes and just it, it we're now finally sort of hitting the end of the road for my little pony uh in fact just this past weekend uh was kind of intriguing was that the in the netherlands there was there's this uh, subscription streaming service called Videoland, and I guess they ran the final episode of My Little Pony, which is called The Last Program, uh, Problem, uh, early, and you know, and of course, there's so many dedicated, crazed fans that it leaked online, and you know, it just I, I don't want to spoil anything. Kind of an interesting choice. They're bringing back Weird Al Yankovic, and the character that he voiced, who I swear to God, Drew, is called Cheese Sandwich. But yeah, I mean, you know, talking about Lauren Faust, I mean, it just, you know, it's what's kind of ironic is if I'm remembering correctly, she left My Little Pony to go work for Sony on Medusa, and I, I we've talked about Medusa before, haven't we? Or Yes, yes, we have. Okay, uh, that that that's a project that still breaks my heart. You know, Lauren had came up with such a wonderful take on you know that Greek myth, and in fact, you know, and managed to turn it into this amazing female empowerment story. And I, I can't help but think, especially today, you know, right now, especially in this environment where we're having the Netflix and the Hulu's and of the world do animated series and standalone features and that sort of thing that I wish somebody could, you know, go to Sony and tell them, look, you, you, you literally, you have a hit sitting in a file here, 
you know, you should right. dig this out and do this. Well, okay, so that it's a two-plea show, folks. You know, Drew is looking for Duke of Boom, and I want somebody to go dig Medusa out of the files and go make it. Yes. Anyway, okay, so Drew mentioned the Bronies, and let's be honest here, Drew, compared to a lot of the folks you were encountering at the Anaheim Convention Center, the, the, the Disney superfans, uh, mm-hmm. You know the the bronies, <laughs> yeah, minor league. You know that right. You know, right. whereas on the other hand, that woman who was walking around dressed as the entire haunted mansion with moving omni movers on her dress. All right. That was amazing. That was amazing. That was amazing. That was amazing. <laughs> so, uh, well, we'll tell you what, folks. When we get back from this commercial break, Drew is going to tell us all about his experience at this year's D twenty three X. Okay. We are back. Uh, oh, uh, before we get to the D23 Expo stuff, a little more uh, housekeeping here. We talked previously about the Steven Universe movie musical. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's going to be airing on uh, Cartoon Network a week from today. That That's Monday, September 2nd. We will both be watching it and talking about it, I'm sure. Oh, no doubt. Soon. No doubt. I mean, I've been a big fan of this Rebecca Sugar show since the debut back in 2013, but... I just, wow, five seasons and, and 160 episodes. And Alice was telling me that season six is, in fact, in production. Oh, okay. I thought the movie was the end of it. I thought so as well. But yeah. uh, But I guess, you know, that, that it's in production, but they're not talking about air dates or anything like that at this point. Um, on the well, other here's, th- a Steven, here's a Steven Universe connection for you, Jim, from D23. Uh, I went to this thing called a, an Aladdin, a musical spectacular, which mm-hmm. brought together all these different Aladdins. Mm-hmm. And the woman who plays Pearl played Jasmine in the first four years of the Aladdin, a musical spectacular at the Hyperion Theater. Are you kidding? And they And they found her and... And she was in Guam with her husband doing a production of <laughs> Mamma Mia, the touring production of Mamma Mia in Guam. And she came in and sang, uh, I forget which song she sang, but she sang on stage and told her story. And it was amazing. Holy And cow. yeah, so there you go. There's my Steven Universe connection to wow. the show. Wow, how do you get from Jasmine to Pearl, though? Wow. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Pretty amazing. Okay. Well, well, again, you know, so we have five soon to be six seasons of, of Steven the Universe. On the other hand, a show I wish had made it to six, but sadly is tapping out at, at three is OKKO, OK Let's Be Heroes. And, uh, right. you know, that Ian Jones Quartery show. Uh, I, I'm, I'm not ready to leave Lakewood Plaza yet. I, I, I really enjoy Jim Cummings as Lord Boxman. In fact, speaking of D23, did you get to see the voice panel or? No, Jim, you are overestimating, uh, <laughs> my, <laughs> my abilities to divide and conquer. Um, no, I really didn't see that many other panels besides some of the big ones, but, um, yeah, there were a ton of great panels that I wish I could have. You got to know your limit, especially because I was sick. So no, no, my, no, 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 my no, energy no. levels were a lot, they were depleted. No, yeah, no, no. I, I, I get that. What's particularly interesting about those first couple of years of the D23 Expo is that the Disney fans would get so mad because they'd be in line. And, you know, I'm sorry, the hall is full. And it's like, what do you mean I, I can't get in? And it's like, 
you know, are you familiar with Comic-Con at all? <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, you know, the, yeah. when well, the there whole... were people outside, like, sleeping and all this stuff this year, so, yeah. Okay. Well, all right, What? why don't we just get to it then? Oh, uh, uh, before we go, uh, again, OKKO season finale airing next week on uh, September 6th. But, okay, so do we start in the obvious spot, which is the, the first Disney feature coming down the line, Frozen 2? Um, yeah, we could do that. Sure, that was the big finale for the studio panel mm. on Saturday. Okay. Um, Saturday morning? Yeah, Saturday morning. Okay. Um, yeah, so it was really interesting. First of all, sort of like top-level view, it was really interesting to see Pete and mm-hmm. uh, Jennifer kind of take the reins of their respective studios, especially because... Mm-hmm. Um, they both had movies <laughs> that they had written and directed that are coming out. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they actually previewed the next year's movie first, mm-hmm. they pre- um, which was a complete surprise. I mean, not to us necessarily, mm-hmm. but to others. Um, and that looked really good. And then, yeah, so they had the whole cast out. They sang a new song. We saw another song, the kind of like let it be type number from this movie called um i think it's called into the unknown mm-hmm. um and yeah it looked good it, it the disney animation panel was a little bit of a step down from the animation the pixar animation panel uh, part of the panel because it the Pixar stuff was so crazy and like out there, mm-hmm. and then the by comparison, the animation studio stuff was a little bit more traditional, okay. which is totally fine. But it just felt a little wobbly. I don't know if the I don't know if the pacing of that panel kind of worked completely because like the the Star Wars thing was at the beginning, mm-hmm. and it was like, oh okay, I, uh, that that felt like it should have been at the end. I'm sure you saw you saw the footage that they put out online today. Yeah, right? friends would talk about the fact that you know the Fox stuff got. What, maybe a cursory mention? I mean... So that was interesting. And actually, I meant to talk about this. So at the beginning of the panel, they showed kind of a sizzle, and they included Ford versus Ferrari, mm-hmm. which is a Fox movie coming out, I think, in September, and uh, the Blue Sky Studios movie, Spies in Disguise. And then <laughs> right off the bat, they showed all the different segments of the company, and Fox and Fox Searchlight and Blue Sky were on there, mm-hmm. uh, which... I, I took as a very heartening sign for Blue Sky. Mm-hmm. I mean, to have it up there, to have it acknowledged in front of everybody. And then Alan Horn says, well, we're not really ready to talk about those movies yet. Mm-hmm. And it's like, what? Like, you, have, you have a lot of movie Fox movies coming out before the end of the year, including Ready or Not, which was in theaters that same weekend. Mm-hmm. So that was strange. But I wanted to tell you about the Blue Sky thing because I think that's that's pretty pertinent. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, there was no actual footage or discussion of it in the presentation itself, well, which was interesting. Now I have to I have to ask, given that the studio presentation ran like a half hour over, right? Could, could this have just correct? Been, we just don't have enough time, or well, you remember the days when animation had its own panel? No, that's exactly that. that and yeah. that panel ran about two and a half or three hours, mm-hmm. and the live action one ran. Two and a half and three hours. So for it, the whole thing to come in at two and a half hours was pretty. I mean, it was pretty svelte by D twenty three standards. But yeah, it was a it was a long time hmm. in that theater. Yeah. Okay. Well, but I mean, we saw we saw sixteen minutes or something from onward. You know, so it, we we saw a fair amount of footage for sure. Okay. Now, uh, just a couple of things here that that uh, Chris Buck as part of the 
Frozen presentation basically said that Frozen 1, the original Frozen and Frozen 2 are going to come together to tell one complete story, and Frozen 2 starts in the past. Now, you got to see what? Uh, basically two musical numbers into... Oh, I no, wait saw one musical number, they, they sang, sang one musical number, and then they showed a clip of Evan Rachel Wood, who plays the mother, their mother, mm-hmm. in a flashback for one scene, I guess. Okay. And then another part of a scene with the Sterling K. Brown character who plays the leader of a regiment that gets lost in these kind of haunted woods. So, mm-hmm. you know you know what I was thinking, Jim? From my, from my seat, I oh. said, how does Olaf's frozen adventure fit in all this? You know what I'm saying? I'm saying, where is that? Where is that in the mythology? Oh, dear. Okay. <laughs> I imagine you'll be having a chat with Mr. Buck and, and Ms. Lee yes. shortly. May perhaps you could. You I can will. I will. Out. Justice for Olaf. Right. That's what I say. Um, okay. But, uh, you know, this was the second day. We had the Disney Plus panel the day before, which I'm sure we'll talk about. Um, and a lot of interesting mm-hmm. things there. But, uh, yeah, Pixar showed Onward. Like I said, a lot of Onward. Maybe it wasn't 60 mm-hmm. minutes. Maybe it was closer to 10. But uh, And then um, the first stuff about Soul, you know, which mm-hmm. is, you know. Well, now, uh, just to stop for a bit on, on Onward here again. So that's our, our March 6th, 2020 release. Yes. And the weird thing is, at least from the outside, you know, that really got thrown into Eclipse by... Tom Holland's comments about the whole Spider-Man thing that broke out last week. And yeah. How old is this kid? You know, he's early 20s. 20s or, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and again, everyone sort of complimented on, on you know, how he handled a, a crazy difficult situation. But I, I have to ask, having been in the room while they ran this footage from Onward... Um, what was the reaction? What was the take? I think people were excited about it. I'm not sure the scene they showed was super mm-hmm. evocative of what the movie is because they've been selling this. And you'll remember it was announced at the last D23. Yeah. Suburb- yeah. The untitled Pixar suburban fantasy uh, yeah. movie. Mm-hmm. And, the, and we had that great moment where Dan Scanlon played that audio clip of his father. Mm. Uh, I mean, what a beautiful moment mm-hmm. that was. And... The scene they showed kind of sets up the movie with the two bro- elfin brothers kind of fighting and, and pulling this um, spell out. But it really did show the kind of like fantasy suburban angle that they seem to be really pushing and, and is what, um, you know, supposedly sets this movie apart from sort of other fantasy films. So I thought it, the footage looked beautiful. I think it played pretty well, but I think that maybe it wasn't the best choice of footage. I mean, maybe that was the only stuff that was finished. I don't. I don't know what's going mm-hmm. yeah, on. Yeah, that that's always a challenge. Yeah, but I know, know that the um, the long lead day for this movie is like very soon. So mm-hmm. they are definitely conscious that there is a need to build buzz and a need to sustain that buzz until next spring. So. Well, you know, and it's funny you mentioned that because one of the the images I kept seeing off of the floor uh, was people taking pictures of the van. Yeah. Were they allowing people to get in the van? Cause no, it you, like could, the- you couldn't get in the van. I think the employees could get in the van, but the oh. van was really cool. You know who did it, who created that van was our buddy Jay Ward from the, the Cars franchise. Oh, yeah. very cool. Yeah, so okay. he, he made that van, which is pretty neat. Um 
Yeah, the, and then they had like a Elsa meet and greet with, with the big kind of druid ruins mm-hmm. from from the movie. Um, mm-hmm. So the animation there was always something happening at the animation pavilion um, this year. Let me tell you, I mean the, the Imagineering was pretty sleepy compared to to what animation was doing. So <laughs> wow, <laughs> wow, okay. posters from Epcot. Okay, all right, um, you all know, right. so so yeah, but um, I think that Soul was definitely the big kind of. Draw. Well, all right, you bring it up. So let's talk about this. In fact, I, I I mean this in the kindest possible way, but face it, Pete Doctor's last film for Pixar, you know, June of 2015, uh, was Inside Out. And again, we we go inside the brain and see the the emotions at work, and. I can't help but look at this one and, you know, and again, it, it's always dangerous when you've, you've got just a couple of pieces of information, a couple of people's concept art, and to think you really know what you're looking at for a movie. But it, it really does sort of look like, uh, I would, make, not a continuation, but maybe a companion piece for Inside Out. I mean, yeah, it, yeah. you know, what's what's your take from having been in the hall and... and them talking about well, it. Well, I think people in the hall actually, somebody came up to me and I said, man, doesn't Soul look great? And they said, well, it looks like just Inside Out Part 2. But I think that it's something more than that. I think it's sort mm-hmm. of more about uh, what sort of drives you artistically. I mean, mm-hmm. it looks crazy. It was very funny. Pete's delivery too was great. At the beginning of the, the presentation he said, you know, we wanted to, you know, understand what makes us human and and what goes into to who we become and and all these kind of metaphysical questions about life and death and who would make an animated movie about this we're calling it soul um and that was like a really great kind of intro to this because it looks i mean as weird as inside out was this looks considerably stranger um mm-hmm. it looks sort of cosmic and Kubrickian in all of these amazing ways and the cast, you saw the cast Jamie Foxx leads the the cast, um, mm-hmm. Tina Fey's in it, who I saw at DCA the night before um, with a plaid mm-hmm. uh, and you saw who was doing the music, right? Yeah, Trent Reznor yeah. I mean, Pretty cool that's... Yeah. I mean, there were audible gasps when they announced that in the hall and, mm-hmm. and Pete had to go, yeah, pretty neat it's out there doing a Pixar movie so, okay. yeah now, all right. Uh, forgive me uh, for bringing this up, but I, I'm uh, I'm a little concerned about the batting order here. I mean, face it, Soul is is coming out on June nineteenth of two thousand twenty, and we've got Onward coming out on March sixth. All right, and before we, we did the show today, I actually opened the calendar and and you know pulled out all my fingers and toes and. There's just 105 days between when the first Pixar film onward hits theaters and then we get Pixar film number two, Soul. Right. And the last time we had two Pixar films come out, in fact, it's kind of ironic because the the first film to come out that year was Inside Out. Again, June 19th. And then we got The Good Dinosaur uh, in November of that year, and there were 160 days that separated these two films. And I think you know, you you know, the, you talk to the same people that I do that there were some concerns about maybe one film cannibalized the audience for the other film. Correct. Just the fact that these two are coming so close, right on top of one another, basically. In fact, if I'm counting correctly, the onward 
Blu-ray DVD will be arriving, hitting store shelves basically at the same time that, that Soul is opening in theaters. And um, I don't know if that's the smartest release thing, especially for, you know, when you, you talk about a Kubrickian, you know, I mean, again, <laughs> the, you know. Yeah, like, two original movies. For the mm-hmm. first, time. those are, onward is the first original Pixar movie since November 2017 with Coco. Holy cow! So okay. um, you know that's huge, um, mm-hmm. and yeah, it, it's going to be an interesting, you know, game. But it looks like that both of the movies are great. So at least oh, there's well, that. The, the, you know, it's Pixar. Yeah. It, and, and to be completely honest here, I'm one of five people on the planet who really likes the Good Dinosaur. <laughs> Wow! Oh, we found them. <laughs> we found. Well, no, you know, just I, I, you know, it, it always kind of bothers me when people say that the the picks are dead, and it's like I, when anybody talks like that, I know they didn't actually see the movie. Uh, you know, right. yes, That's it didn't true. do the most at the box office, but it's still an entertaining, moving film, and I like it when animators succeed or work on projects that succeed. And it just concerns me when I see two projects, you know, <laughs> literally. You know, coming in the same window and just understanding that, you know, there's only so much money in the American wallet and, you know. Right. All right. Well, the other Pixar thing, you don't have anything from from Disney Plus in these notes. I just am Well, I, you know. At the Disney Plus show, they showed the very first episode of Forky Asks a Question, which, mm-hmm. let me tell you, Jim, was hilarious. Okay. okay. Yes. This is the new short form Pixar animated series that'll be directed by Bob Peterson, mm-hmm. which he's a legend uh, uh, at at uh, Pixar. Yep. Original director of, of Dinosaur. The Dinosaur. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Um, and it's basically for this one was Forky asking, "What is money?" Mm-hmm. And so, of course, Ham has to chime in, and it's it's really funny. Um, you know, I I know that you haven't even seen Toy Story four yet, but it's coming out on Blu-ray in October, so hopefully you'll you'll get around to it. <laughs> remain ever hopeful okay, yeah it'll, it'll they'll also all be all every single pixar movie will be on disney plus at launch so that that is amazing uh, there's uh, that um what they did you know it, it, as part of the disney plus uh, thing the the monsters inc spin-off series they, they they laid out the premise is that correct or Yes, and did you notice it's a very different premise than the one that they had announced? A few yeah. Months ago. Now, am I correct? Alice was telling me that we, what the setup was that you have what the the magnum cum laude, you know, from uh, the Monsters University, you know, the the top scare in the class arrives at Monsters Inc. the day they switch over to laughter, right? Or yeah, I think somebody else told me it takes place with place within like the first week. Okay, let's say okay. that they switch over, but. Yeah, that's the premise, mm-hmm. and I guess the other version just wasn't working quite as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's a great premise. I mean, they had a whole panel de- dedicated to um, Monsters University over at the Disney Plus stage, oh. but um, I did not get to go. Yeah. But yeah, it sounds really charming mm-hmm. and fun, and I can't wait okay. to see it. Um, but the Forky Forky thing was pretty oh, great. Oh, no, that, but, that's great to hear. Yes. But I guess that's the other thing that just both you know, excites and concerns me about, you know, face it, on November 12th, we stepped through a doorway where, you know, there's Disney content coming at you, whether it's released theatrically or it's a streaming service, you know, that they're shooting for 
a consistency and quality. Uh, you know, I mean that that's supposed to be the hallmark of of all of Disney's efforts here. But at the same time, it's this whole notion of you know what gets the theatrical lease, or, or you know, for that matter, is Disney Plus actually the equivalent of the farm team? Is this where you develop talent? which then gets the shot to move, you know, up to do theatrical shorts or, or you know, or, or for that matter, theatrical, you know, features. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, it'll be really interesting to see if they debut a Disney animated film on Disney+. Plus. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think they've got to mm-hmm. at some point. It, it was really interesting. Well, look, you and I are a big fan of, of how Disney and Pixar, you know, talent, you know, that starts you know, in one arm of the, you know, the company, you know, then gets promoted and moved up and gets their shot. And in fact, that that, that brings us now to Rhea and the Last Dragon, because face it, you and I have been fans of what Paul Briggs has done, you know, for story forever. I mean, he's just this wonderfully yeah. funny guy. And, and Dean Willens. Yes. Yeah. Another genius story guy who was very close to getting an animated movie about kind of like uh, space races off the ground. Do you remember that from a few oh, years God, ago? Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it, it's great that they're they're here and they're doing something different, and it looks very cool. It looks very cool. I have to admit, I was just kind of startled that, face it, this thing, and, you know, we are, what, 14, you know, 15 months out from, from release of this thing. And... The dome of silence that's been over Rhea and the Last Dragon, the fact that they were able to, you know, announce the project, you know, and it, it made the splash that it did because, frankly, nobody knew about it. Right. But what was the reaction in the room? I mean, it's a, it's a very different art style, isn't it? Or Yeah, well, not really. I mean, it's pretty classically Disney, but they... Showed this great scene of, of Raya looking for the dragon in this kind of water temple. Because the water, the dragon is kind of a water sprite. Mm-hmm. It's not really, a, it's not a Game of Thrones dragon or a, a How to Train Your Dragon dragon. It's a very Asian kind of um, mm-hmm. snake-like, you know. You, you know. Um, I think there is an image out that we can put on Twitter. But, um, yeah, it was very atmospheric. It felt like a, you know, real serious kind of Hong Kong mm-hmm. action movie. And Raya, you know, you it's not the not the first Asian Disney princess because no. Mulan's there. No. But, you know, a, a new generation of Asian princess and beautiful art style. I mean, there's some really heavy hitters on this movie. Nessa Bobe is on it and a bunch of other um, animators who you and I love. Um, I've been working mm. on this thing, as you said, in secret for about the last couple of years. But, um, yeah, it, you know, it, it sort of reminded me of the Avatar The Last Airbender in a way. Mm-hmm. The emphasis on action, I you know, the kind of, like, different creatures, because mm-hmm. they show this, like, kind of mm-hmm. bear, like, millipede-looking creature, which looks really cute. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm I'm very interested in Raya and the Last Dragon. I can't wait. I mean, it, did I did I sing... Do you remember the movie from the 80s, Barry Gordy's The Last Dragon, Jim? Because, <laughs> yes, yeah. yeah, so I kind of had that theme song stuck in my head a little bit, but... You know, besides oh, that. No, okay, I, I, I just kind of feel bad for, for Ozna, you know, the producer of this thing, because when they describe the setting of the movie, so we have a lush jungle glistening with sheets of rain and a clinging mist, it's like, oh, dear Lord, from uh, how you have to spend your effects budget point of view. Right. I mean, at least, you know, she's, at least she's a Ozna, pro now. 
Oh, well, yeah. I mean, I remember talking with her because she was the producer of Moana. And it's like when you think about how much of Moana is about water or, or, or for that matter, you know, how to figure out how to stage, you know, emotionally effective scenes when, you know, how much of that movie is literally two characters standing in a raft in the middle of the ocean. Right. And, you know, just figuring out how to do that. So to go from that to, you know, <laughs> misty jungles with sheets of rain coming down, it's like, uh, you know, the, the, she's going to start drinking heavily very right. soon. Well, it looks like Mo- Moana is now officially a classic if if the park's presentation is any indication of how the rest of the company well, yeah. feels about it, you know? Yeah. And what's fascinating to me is that here's... Bob Chapek, who, you know, if it's a billion dollar property, you know, you get a theme park, you know, or you get a, a land. I mean, in fact, I, I, you probably saw when you, you toured the Imagination Pavilion uh, or the Imagineering Pavilion, the uh, the City of Zootopia stuff that they had over Shanghai. But yeah, the, the fact that Moana is 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 getting the Epcot the trail to the sea right. uh, water thing that they were going to do. And it looks like she's she's part of Harmonious, which is the new fireworks spectacular, as well as mm-hmm. the controversial redo of Spaceship Earth. It looks like she's in there somewhere. So yeah, I mean she's all over the yeah. place. Well, I'll go, okay. Now stepping away from you know the the studios panel and, and Pixar and what Disney showcase they were likewise. Uh, you know what you saw, you know at the Disney Plus presentation. Uh, you know, so again, walking the hall and, and seeing what's going on with Disney Animation, what, what kind of jumped out at you there? Well, you know, I just wish I could have done more panels. I mean, there was like a whole panel with Amphibia and Big City Greens mm-hmm. that was hosted by Kermit. Did you see that? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, yeah. You know, I wish I could have done that. And I don't know. There was there was so much stuff, but. I mean, I guess this is just the, most, the thing that's most fresh in my head, but it, 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 there's just so much Parks material based on the animated classics that mm-hmm. I worry and wonder if they're kind of stepping over each other in a way that, that maybe will feel a little bit homogenized just because they're built basic. Because, you know, there's 56 or 57 movies, but they only really pull from about 20 of them. So... You know, I would just love to see more stuff from there. But the other thing was that uh, they showed the exterior of the Mickey and Minnie Runaway Railway for California. Did you see that? Yeah, the the El Capitoon Theater. Yeah, the El Capitoon Theater, yeah, which I thought was really cool and so wonderfully tuned town. But, yeah, I mean, there was just, there was, there was a lot. I mean... I really wonder what the the animation stuff on Disney Plus is going to be like. That's a mm-hmm. big question. Um, we saw the Lady and the Tramp trailer, which they released immediately, which I was pretty impressed by. Um, mm-hmm. And I, we saw the trailer for the live-action Mulan during the studio presentation, which was really cool. It was really mm-hmm. cool. And there was actually speculation that they were going to announce a sequel to Aladdin during the panel. Um but that didn't end up happening, although they did show footage from Maleficent, which looked okay. And mm-hmm. the first image of Emma Stone is Cruella. What do you think about that? Um, I, you know, I, <laughs> to be honest, I kind of looked past her to the, the Horace and the Jasper, and it's like, okay, they got those. Yeah, I, you yeah. know, um, I, I, I <sighs> the fact that what, the release date got pushed back to 2021, right? Yes, May t- 2021. Yeah, and look, some of that, 
you know, that that's not necessarily a cause for alarm. I mean, you know, let's face it, you know, especially in this, this period where Disney is still trying to figure out where Fox fits in all this. You know, some things get, they're going to get slid further out as they, you know, try to create appropriate space so things can, you know, get the promotion they deserve, get the spotlight they deserve before the next movie comes along. Because... Um, I think, as we were saying with, with, you know, Toy Story 4 this summer, that, that, you know, when you have a film that should do or you expect to do a certain amount of business and then, you know, you have another film come along and throw that into eclipse. Um, right. That's that's tough. You know, I, that's the thing. I, I look at a move like that and you don't move a, a movie into a May time slot anticipating that it's not going to do the business if anything that's sort of an indication especially now that held you know according to disney and especially you know what would happen with endgame and, and infinity wars summer now starts what the last week of april yeah for sure uh, so you know the fact that they move you know cruella to what uh, april t- late april of, of 2021 that says okay we expect to make some money off of this um, but <laughs> I guess that sort of brings me full circle to, uh, again, the, the, the Disney plus versus Disney theatrical. I mean, when you got to talk with, with folks from the studio or were you getting the same sort of nervousness, you know, the, the, the same sort of, we're not entirely sure, you know, what happens next or. Um, in terms of what, in terms of people being siphoned off to Disney plus or the, or the other way around. Well, it's just more to the effect of, you know, the face it, the the way we consume entertainment is is changing seismically. And here's Disney making this enormous bet that, you know, they can reimagine and reposition the company so that there are these two distinct tiers, you know, that, that you have all, you know, things like, you know, again, not necessarily in the animation ballywick, but... You know, when you saw The Mandalorian, you know, that footage and, you know, that doesn't look like television, but that's what that is. Right. Yeah. It, it felt like, you know, that that felt like that the, the, the shows that are on Disney Plus that are Star Wars mm-hmm. would have been Star Wars stories had Solo performed differently. That was my well, sort of feeling. But yeah. but they, you know, they, they announced that Clone Wars is coming back in February um, mm-hmm. So, you know, you saw that they're actually releasing these shows week to week, which is really interesting. Yeah, yeah. In fact, when you and I talked in, in the middle of, of D23, you know, that, that wasn't that something they just sort of, you know, let slide as part of... Uh, I think Mr. Feige let that one slide, yeah. Yeah, and that's different than, you know, face it, the Netflix model of... You know, for example, Shira, here they are, all of them. Enjoy. Right. That's going to be kind of intriguing to to see if they can have their cake and eat it too. Yeah. They can, did that work over at CBS Access? Because I know Star Trek Discovery was doing that. Yeah, they, I think you know, it does. I think, I think what's good about that is it kind of keeps the press cycle going it keeps conversation going and you know a lot of a lot of the stuff that was shown during the disney plus panel was stuff that i am really excited about the new disney nature movie dolphin reef um there's the uh they didn't show anything from it but i we both know that you know leslie's um imagineering documentary that's coming the ink and paint documentary that's coming 
Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a documentary about seeing eye dogs, which I'm very excited about. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it really looked like it will sustain, but you're right. It's just like they have so much stuff coming out initially. What is coming out? Afterwards, And will it get to a point where people would rather stay at home and watch Noel than go see Maleficent in the theater? Yeah. You know, yeah, that's really but, the question. Yeah. I, that's, I, I won't tell you who at feature animation, you know, particularly in regard to Frozen 2, but it's like, you know, the, the comment they made, you couldn't. You couldn't start up Disney Plus December 12th. You had to do it November 12th. Right. You know, just right. sort of like, you know, with the, we don't need an artificial drag on who could potentially be going to the theaters. So, um, so I, I forget, did you actually spring for Disney Plus? I did. Uh, Jim, you're talking to somebody in the founder circle. Okay. So, wow. you know, okay. I've got the pen. I did it. And best part about it is that I've got a code for you to do the very same thing, Jim. So I will send you a unique code after this is t- done recording so you can get that super, super low price. It's It comes out to like less than $4 a month, which is pretty – that's pretty good. I, I will – I will see if Nancy will advance my allowance. Wow. Okay. So um, all right. So now just, just to swing back to – uh, you know, face it, you know, we, we've got, you know, Frozen 2, you know, dropping in, what, less than three months, four months at this point. Um, if, if you're a betting man, if you're, you're looking at these four, you know, Frozen 2, Onward, uh, Soul, and Rhea and the Last Dragon, what are you thinking? Who, who's going to come out on top? Oh, I think that, I think Frozen is going to make all the money there is. Um, it mm. looks really solid, a, fo- a nice follow-up. It doesn't look mm-hmm. like the most adventurous story. It looks like there's still not a villain um, mm-hmm. in this one. Uh, I think that Bobby and Kristen had commented on the red carpet that um, Anna's sexuality will not be addressed, and so she will mm-hmm. not be getting a love interest. Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, I sort of wish it had taken more risks, maybe, or maybe gone mm-hmm. out on a limb, but what they did looks amazing and, and really beautiful and touching, and, and I hope that that is uh, wonderful, but of course, I'm most excited about Soul. I think that Pete Doctor is maybe mm-hmm. the greatest animation director of our generation, and um, looks like he's got another weird one for us. So I'm really, <laughs> I'm really excited for that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, you know, I, I, ha- I, I have to admit, I'm, I, you know, me personally, I'm torn between. Between Rhea, I mean, I just, I, I love the design of Sisu, mm-hmm. the, 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 the dragon. So cool. Uh, but, but, you know, again, on the other hand, you know, Onward just seems to have so many bizarre left-handed charms. Mm-hmm. You know, I, but, but like I said, you know, the, the earlier, or, or, the, or what you said earlier, you know, the, to choose, what was it, eight minutes or 16 minutes? What I think it was, maybe it was eight minutes. I thought it was 16, but maybe maybe that's what someone said it felt like it was 16, but it was actually, <laughs> it was actually eight. Um, yeah, but it was great. I mean, okay. yeah. So. Did you see the, the poster that sort of looks like Barley's jacket, his, uh, yeah, his vest? Yeah. yeah. It's really yeah. cute. You know, and I, I would imagine the Disney people were pin people were very happy. Oh yes, you. they were handing out pins of the of the van Guinevere. So if you were lucky yeah. enough to go by the Pixar booth, you got a pin. Ah, uh, Yeah. Okay. So, all right. So I have to ask. You know, while you're in the hall there, you know, surrounded by all of these film fans, 
You had to have some people come out of talking to you, you know, about Mission Impossible. No one talked uh, to me about Mission Impossible, Jim. And I, you know, it was kind of like a vacation from Mission Impossible. I was, I was at lunch last week on mm. Riverside Drive and getting lunch with some fine folks from Warner Brothers. And this kid mm. yells, hey, are you, do you do a podcast? And I said, yes. I thought he was talking about, like, you know, fine tuning, obviously. But he goes, mm. light the fuse. And he uh, <laughs> somehow recognized me from, I don't know, oh. just jabbering, I guess, uh, at lunch. He recognized me from light the fuse. So. That's great. That's great. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I was thinking of you this weekend. Nancy and I, when we weren't streaming the various presentations they were doing for D23, it, I want to say it was TBS uh, and TBS One were showing uh, Mission Impossible and Mission Impossible 2 back to back. Love that. You know, and I, I still, I still to this day, if you held a gun to my head, I don't know as I could explain the story of Mission Impossible 1. Oh, I'll, t- I'll, uh, t- I'll tell you about it. But you'll love this, actually. This plays into animation, but we just talked to this guy who worked at ILM. He, it was his first job out of CalArts. He was 22, 21, and his mm-hmm. first job was working on mission, the first Mission Impossible. So wow. we got all these great stories, you know, about how... Uh, you know, uh, John Knoll hand animated the knife that comes down in the Langley sequence. He did that on his personal computer, Dude, frame by frame. Really? Yeah, like all this great stuff. So that's that's in an upcoming episode of of Light the Fuse. But um, we're actually oh. talking to another guy who worked on three and four from ILM mm-hmm. tonight. So mm-hmm. uh, we will have uh, it's sort of sort of a nice visual effects. Um, centered episodes coming up. So oh, yeah, can, and, can and right now Car- we had our episode with Carly where we talk about the theme park. Mm-hmm. Uh, stuff and we'll have part two of that this week. So if you go over there, oh, friend of the podcast, no, Carly Wiesel, no, no, yeah. No, 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 folks, if you're not already listening to Light Diffuse, you're listening. You're missing a really entertaining show. Uh, on the other hand, my side of the fence, the usual crowd. We've got uh, Disney with Lentesto. We've got a Universal Joint with Dustin Fuse. We've got. Uh, looking at Lucasfilm coming up. Uh, by the way, did you run into Dan at the event at all? I or? did. I saw Dan. He, every free second he had, he was in Batu. So I saw him sort of in <laughs> passing in the night. But you know, he got to meet my wife, Katie, and so that was oh, that was very nice. And you know, that's, that's great. I. I, I have to ask, given the photographs I saw of him at the at the, at the expo, was he that raccoon like in person? I you know he really looked kind of fried it like he would like he had been eating garbage yeah yeah i mean that that's that's usually how he looks but (laughs) that's not what i meant but oh dear now you got me in trouble with mr z we have to we have to give each other grief on on our respective podcasts so you know well well there we go okay uh what else we got we got marvelous disney with the amazing aaron adams we've got i want that with shelly viodolid who i also saw at d23 Ah, yes. Okay, and what? A, oh, and, and of course, we have the the podcast that we do here, fine tuning. So, I'll tell you what, folks, if you like what you hear with myself and Drew, uh, do us a favor and head over to iTunes and rate and recommend not only fine tuning but light the fuse. And if you really, really, really like what you hear here, uh, if you could head over to Bandcamp and subscribe, that would be very helpful. And I saw and someone who's going on your trip in November. So, if you haven't gotten your trip to Jim's wackadoo universal 
whatever it is, Jamboree, go get a ticket because uh, people are buying Jim's them up. Wackadoo Jamboree. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. We finally have the T-shirt, folks. Yeah. Okay. There yeah. we t- okay. I'll, I'll, I'll get Nancy ready. Maybe if you get in line now for Hagrid's Custer, you can get get on it during the event. But, oh, good. Yeah. Oh, good. So, so not enough to get me in trouble with Dan. Now we're going to get in trouble with Universal. Yes, of lovely. course. Lovely. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I, I feel like Mr. Taylor's work is done here today. So, okay. On behalf of Drew, thank you for listening. And we will be back with another episode of Fine Tuning very soon.